Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 64. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week, we're continuing our exploration of addiction and motherhood. Yes. <laughs> with oh my god, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> the Monster. This is a podcast oh, about addiction now. This is so much better than Family Blood, though. Let me just say that right up front. So, let's start with recommendation, yes? Uh, yes. I would... Uh, uh... Watch it. It's short. Watch it. Yeah, it's short, and it has Zoe Kazan in it, and it is tense and exciting and emotional. So yeah, I mean, like, would I recommend it over other things? Maybe not, but yeah, yes, for what it is, it's good. Let's talk about what this movie is. Let's talk about some background. Okay, so this is written and directed by Brian Bertino, who is not a household name. What but else has he done? The Strangers. You did tell me that last time. I completely wiped it from my memory, but that makes sense. And Mockingbird, and he wrote the Strangers sequel, not just like based on, but he has a screenplay credit. Pray he at did night. not direct it. This was distributed by A24. This is our second A24 film after Tusk. Which is bananas. I feel like there's so many other really great movies we've done on this podcast that like I would have guessed were A24. Yeah. There's probably movies we want to do for the podcast that are A24, right? Surely. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll but get to But it surprised them. me. We were talking about it. I think I had sort of assumed It Follows was A24. That's, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of, too. That director's uh, new film, Under the Silver Lake, is an A24 film. Ah. Not available in theaters anywhere because it's getting kind of buried because it's apparently real fucking weird. Oh, that's a shame. I like weird shit. Well, anyway. I did not have high hopes for this movie, which also may have come into me liking it more. I um, would agree. I remember when the trailers came out, and... I do it, not. I do. It, it looked fine, but nothing spectacular. Like, Zoe Kazan was kind of the only thing going for it. And then when I was making the promotional materials for this episode, I saw what the monster... The titular monster. The titular monster looked like, and I was like, oh, that's dumb. So I kind of went into this being like, this is going to be stupid. And I was proven extremely wrong. I'm interested that you saw trailers for this, because this got a very limited theatrical release... Uh, it was first released through, like, DirecTV, like, Video On Demand. Really? Before it came out in theaters. No, I thought I saw... You know where I think I saw um, commercials was, uh, like, YouTube ads. Oh, that would make sense. That's, like, a big thing. They're I, targeted at you. Yeah, targeted at me. And I also tend to go in a lot of, like, YouTube trailer spirals. Hmm. Where I just, like, I click on something that looks interesting, and then I just watch, like, the next one and the next one and the next one. Like, so it's possible I yeah. saw it through there. The other reason that I'm surprised that you saw anything about it is because this... Was a a bomb to end all bombs. I did think I knew that because I saw the trailers went, oh, maybe I should see if I could see that. And then I never heard a single other word about it. This is a 2.7 million budget. It doesn't really feel like it except for... The titular monster. Well, I would say Zoe Kazan probably eats up a lot of that money. But even in 2016? Yes. Uh, hmm. But it made... This oh is a real number. Oh, no. It's reported gross... Is sixty two thousand dollars? No, yes. there's no way that's possible. Yes, that's a loss. Yes, youch. You're making, you're making me doubt myself that I uh, saw the trailers to this because if it was marketed at all, it should have made more money than that. I trust you, and yet I remember seeing it. Just um. Went to go check my figures just to make sure, because you're right. Mm -hmm. When I read that, when I was taking notes on this, 
it felt absurdly low. Its domestic gross was only twelve thousand. Oh so my god! It actually made a ton of money overseas. That's uh, like one thousand movie tickets. <laughs> one thousand people saw this movie in theaters across America. For a movie with uh, Elia Kazan's granddaughter in it, like, like I don't think that she was huge in twenty sixteen. Like the big sick is how she came into my interesting periphery. What would I have known her for before that? I don't know. I feel like people like her and Brie Larson and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I consider part of like the same class of just like no. they've been around and been in everything. No, because I I could name the first thing I saw the two of them in very easily with I I don't even have to think about it. Uh, I cannot tell you. I know that I knew Zoe Kazan's face when the big sick came out, but I could not tell you what from. Fair enough. We should also talk about when this movie was being uh, developed. The original person to play the role that she plays. We're not talking about this plot at all. I hope you we're gonna are. get to yeah. it. We'll get to it. Uh, was Elizabeth Moss, and I think that would have been a terrible casting for this. Oh my god! Yeah, she's too stern. She's too like. Yeah. I don't know. It it wouldn't work. No. I mean, the other person who I feel like could play this role very well because you already mentioned her is Brie Larson. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think that she has the. Um, mom thing maybe actually just because i just decided today that that i want to see room again but like she's she's a young mom vibe and she can both come across really maternal and then like really um cold i don't think brie larson has a mom vibe at all i really i I had a moment right from room yeah well well, room is like a blip on my radar for brie larson i understand that it's not for most people no she won an oscar i literally (laughs) forgot that she was a mother in that movie until like one yeah she's a young mom which is the the, also the idea well zoe kazan doesn't give me mom vibes either i think that's kind of the point right i guess not not mom vibes like um you could see her with a young child and be like oh that's a young mom who's probably not ready for this i think that's that's the vibe that both of them could give off to me. To do word association here, I think that the it's it's more of a Mary Elizabeth Winstead role for me. Really? Because of uh, the movie <laughs> Smashed, uh, which I've is never about seen that. It's, it's about addiction. It's about alcohol. Oh my god! Sorry, we're typecasting all of these people. Uh, so I've seen her do a role similar to this, except without the motherhood element. I've really only seen Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Sky High, and. Scott Pilgrim, and that's Watch like literally it. More movies. She's a lot of bad. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's calm down on the attack here, please. She's in a movie with Brie Larson, uh, released by A twenty four, called The Spectacular. Now, are they both in that? Because yes. they're both in Scott Pilgrim, also. They're both. Oh, they're. Oh, they are both in that. That's what I'm saying. I should know that. Oh, uh, watch more movies. <laughs> I've I've been owned. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So this movie has two characters. Uh, Kathy, who is Zoe Kazan. She's a shitty mom uh-huh. who, as we've Real said shitty. about 100 times, is an alcoholic. Yeah. She has a daughter named Lizzie, played mm-hmm. by... I don't know. A girl. A girl. I she's thought she good. looked familiar, but I looked up her IMDb and I've never seen her in anything. She's not a good mom. She is going to take her daughter to her father's house. Presumably they switch off yeah. at some... We have no idea how often or when but it's the dad's turn and there's the implication that their relationship is so contentious that this might be the last time that she sees her for a while mm-hmm. don't blame her yeah well there's lots of flashbacks we'll get into that oh right. the daughter's but, but like, even but even the old, opening how old is this daughter oh we should God, also i use don't that know set. 12 11 12 somewhere in there. sometimes she comes across like the most 
mature person ever and then sometimes she's like a little baby and i think that's that's purposeful right that, I think like, that's, yeah, we're like supposed a... to feel like oh my god this is like a teenager well, and then we're supposed to be like oh my god protect her she's a little infant i think there's some arrested development going on here because of both yeah. but both the accelerated and the arrested development sure. because the opening scene that is beautiful um is her walking around the house she gets up at 7 a.m she walks around the house cleans up all the beer bottles and wine bottles and empties the ashtray, does all the dishes, cleans everything up, goes in to wake up her mother at nine. Uh, Kathy is like yelling at her, clearly completely hungover. Yeah. Lizzie's like, get up. We have to leave. We said we were going to leave at this time. Like, get up. She's so angry. And then we literally see the clock at 4.30 and that's when Kathy gets out of bed. So like this little girl has had to be an adult we get that right away. But I think you're totally right that, like, there are also times in this movie that she's, like, she's such a little baby who wants her well, mother. Because she hasn't been able to have the childhood that yes. she deserves. Yes. To give a... There's not a ton of plot in this movie. No, it's and pretty I, simple. I don't think that it needs more plot than it has. No. They're going to drive to the father's house. Mm-hmm. They... It's raining really hard. It's raining. It's nighttime because they leave at 4.30. Right. And they decide to drive through the night because they're like, she'd rather sleep at the dad's house. Yeah, just get it over with. Just get it over with. They don't want to stay somewhere. It's fine. They hit an animal in the road. The tire also blows, right? It's this, It's a combination of those uh, things. I, I think it's because of the accident oh, really? that the tire blows. Yeah, because their axle breaks too. Right. They call for help. Uh it's help, again, it's, help it, shows up. It's pouring rain. They're just sitting in their car waiting for help to arrive. Mm-hmm. Help shows up. The titular monster again this movie gives it all away <laughs> the titular monster gets the tow truck guy mm-hmm. they try to escape when they get attacked by the monster mm-hmm. an ambulance comes an ambulance comes they get away in the ambulance the monster attacks the ambulance yep the they... ambulance rolls down the hill and they end up at the bottom of the hill like in this like wooded having to face yeah. the monster there. uh then they have to face the monster that's the movie that's it that's the movie yep. and we can talk about it now just to get out of the way but uh, Zoe Kazan does not survive. No, she's but the little girl herself. does, mm-hmm. uh, and escape situation kills the monster. She does, and walks out into the dawn, uh, mm-hmm. into a field. Now that's the whole part of the movie. There, nothing else happens. No, that's it. We're not we're not skipping over stuff because it's boring. Well, that's, we're, that's uh, it. We are skipping over <laughs> the flashbacks. flashbacks, but that's yeah. it. But plot wise, that's what we got. And I think you said it. Like that's all it needs. There's a lot of sitting around and talking. And that is my shit. Like, I love that. Obviously, the monster attacks them. We see some violence um, because it kills several people. Um, But there's a lot of just, like, talking and communicating and holding each other. And that was, like, very much what I came for in this movie. Uh, A lot of what I think works... One of the things I think works best about this is... And again, why I'm surprised that it's three million. It took three million dollars to make this. They make so much, like good use of these just in- tiny enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. It's the the car that they're sitting in for a long time, and then eventually it's the ambulance, the back yeah. of the ambulance when it's first driving to take them to the hospital, and then when it rolls down the hill, it's just an ambulance laying on its side, again in like this sort of wooded area on the side of the road, mm-hmm. and. That space specifically, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about the stuff that ends up happening there because that's sort of the climax. Uh-huh. That set, I don't know what we'll call it a set. It's a space, but I guess it's a set. Set piece, yeah. Of the 
ambulance lying on its side mm-hmm. with an open door in the back is like really original to me. Yeah. I was really impressed. They spend a lot of time both sitting there and then um, a, a fight scene happens. And I was like, I haven't seen, they're just content to just like sit in this like space and it yeah. feels different. It feels different. I thought, and I think that what I actually liked about it is that you're totally right that it feels different and the car felt familiar. Yes. Because that's just Cujo, right? And I love, <laughs> but like I love that because yeah. I think that that's why Cujo is brilliant is that like, you're stuck in this little car, and for the two of them specifically, you're stuck in this car with someone that you hate. Yes. And Zoe Kazan's door, Kathy's door, is busted. Yeah. So they only have the daughter's door. So every time they want to leave, she has to crawl over her. She often makes her get out of like Kathy makes Lizzie get out of the car and do stuff because her door doesn't work. Also, she, a, her wrist is fucked up. From her the wrist accident. is fucked from the accident. There's a lot of like tension in that little car, and I think both set pieces work very well. I agree. I think that again, I think they really make the most of. Telling a very confined story. Like, this is unquestionably a horror film. Oh, yeah. And no question. Because it shows its hand up front um, with its title. And there's also a, a card at the beginning that's like a. It purports to be like a nursery rhyme from 1903 about like, there's mm-hmm. monsters waiting for you and me. Mm-hmm. It takes. I mean, when they hit the thing in the road, I'm pretty sure everyone watching this movie knows that's when. That's when this like yes, shit's about to go starting, down. Yeah. That's when there's a monster uh-huh. that's now in, somehow in their vicinity, and the movie is content to spend. And I mean, look, there's a half hour before. Yes, I was gonna say that too. Th- uh, that happens a half an hour in. We, it is a half hour before we see the monster in an hour and a half movie, and that's what I was. I was actually I wrote this down that like I can see why someone wouldn't like this movie because the first thirty minutes are flashbacks and driving and talking and a lot of Zoe Kazan. Um, standing outside smoking a cigarette. And so, like, I would understand if you walked into this for the monster and were annoyed that you really only got at maximum an hour of it. But, of course, it's not even an hour of it. They're still sitting around talking while the monster's out there. So, like... And I think, yeah. And I think to compare it to Brian Bertino's other big film, The Strangers, mm. right, I think that he clearly knows both how to shoot and write, because he wrote and directed both of them, like, just silence as tension yes oh my god the tension because between people like I, of course now that we compare them it's so obvious to me that like that is how i felt during this movie and calling it the monster and the strangers yeah you're never you never don't know they're going to show up so even when they're not there you're anticipating them which is actually a genius way of doing it like you know i'm not going to show you the monster for an for a half an hour but uh it's called the monster you just wait and the, Every moment that they were on the road, sitting in the car, I was like, "It a is coming, coming for yeah. you." Even when I didn't even know what it looked like. So, like, I think that makes a, that, that really, I like coming to this realization yeah. now. It really worked for me. You think Bertino's a Jaws fan? I mean, aren't we all? But, I mean, who isn't? Yeah, I mean, that's the lesson of Jaws, right? right. For for genre filmmakers, right, mm-hmm. is that you can make something work. <laughs> the lesson for filmmakers, both from like a technical standpoint, that you can't always have. All the footage that you want right, to use, either right. for budgetary or technical animatronic shark reasons. <laughs> yeah, that shark. Uh, but also that, like, you could write a story that's about—I mean, in both cases, literally a monster mm-hmm. that is about the people. This sounds like the most basic shit in the world. No, I feel but like it, it, it is it, and it's actually—it's a reason that it sucks that this movie didn't do well because this yeah. is the kind of stuff I want to see—is interpersonal relationships, like. 
And I mean, it, it actually is basic. It is basic horror filmmaking, which is that it's always scarier when you don't show it to us. Like, yeah. we should all know that by now. Well, I think you're right that we watch enough movies for this podcast that don't learn that lesson. No. Um, Family Blood, just to compare it to what we did last week. I don't even know if all of you listened to Family Blood. That episode was not my favorite that we've ever done. <laughs> uh, I wasn't enthusiastic about that movie or that episode. But that is trying to do the same thing. Yes. That is trying to draw out tension about like the relationships between people, specifically between a mother with an addiction problem mm-hmm. and, and her children. And children. And that falls completely flat because there's no tension at yeah. any point. The points that are meandering in family blood are are fraught with tension. I here. also think that a script really does that because sure. the thing about family blood, not to just continue to compare these movies constantly, but there's things I want to bring up that I loved in the monster that I can compare to that is that the dialogue of family blood, nobody ever sounded like a person. Everybody right. sounded like the an idea of a person or they were trying to do some weird, I don't know, avant-garde shit. I have no idea. The way that they talk to each other, Lizzie and Kathy, in this movie, and the way that Kathy reacts to things was so perfect. There's a scene, it's like, it's Roy Johnson, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where the monster has attacked um, the tow truck guy. So they know there's something out there. They don't really know what it looks like yet, but they know that has something... Has his arm been ripped off and dropped on the car? Yes. Yeah. I think it's that. It's I think it's either right after that or after they see him get sucked underneath the tow truck. Yes. When he crawls back out into the road. Um but she's there she's Kathy is holding Lizzie and Lizzie is and Lizzie's crying cuz she wants her dad and you see Kathy get like really wounded by it for a second and then she's like hey i'm i'm right here and Lizzie goes i don't care and it is the most it's not like it's not like oh dialogue it's legit what i feel like these people would say yeah. In this instance, and then in the similar time frame, when when um, the bloody arm gets thrown on the car, a bloody arm gets thrown on the car um, from the monster, and the tow truck guy crawls into the road, and they see he's trying to go to his tow truck, and that's where their phone is. Also, a very clever way to get their phone away from them is when the tow truck shows up. Yeah, that's... yeah, he like takes their phones away, um, and so they're like they're in the car. And they're like, should we help him? But we don't know if we should help him because this monster's out there, but we are good people who want to help him. And and Lizzie's going, should we help him? And Kathy's just going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I feel like so rarely do people actually admit that in movies. I agree. And so her saying that, I was like, literally same. Like, if I was in this situation, I would have no idea what to do. I would want to be a good person, but I'd also be really afraid for my life. And I just feel like that simple kind of dialogue that is not trying to be clever. It's not trying to be whatever. It's just, it is just literally how real people would react in this situation. I just loved. I totally agree. I think that it's both written and acted really well. We should talk a little bit about, just because you said something there that I think that maybe a listener would love some context for. Uh, the flashbacks, mm-hmm. because we get a lot of flashes of their relationship and the, yes. the volatility of their relationship um, to the point where Lizzie saying, I don't care that you're here, like makes sense. Oh, to of us. course. Not yes. just because of this opening scene that you've described, which is just, you know, frustration of, of responsibility, but the times that Kathy hits her because mm-hmm. Lizzie has uh, taken, the, taken keys the keys to prevent them from the going to the liquor store. There's I mean, there's a time it's. 
horrifying where Lizzie like puts a knife to her oh passed out mother's fro- throat saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And she says, go away, yes. which I loved. I was just like, oh my God, this poor little girl. There's so much that this girl's been through that we haven't seen, right? And oh so God, we yes. see like her reacting in, in the, the flashbacks. We see her reacting to her mother with so much both like fear and like sadness yeah. for what she, the the way she wants this relationship to go, yeah. but the way that it's clearly just over years become anger oh that God. she is just furious with her mother. Right, and again, she's like eleven or twelve. We're not talking about a teenager here. I feel like this. No, story is... she's young. She's still this thing. She still needs a mother. A mother, not that like you know adults yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like she still needs the the basic, you know childhood stuff that mothers She literally give cannot provide for herself in the same no. way that if we were talking about a 16-year-old. No, right? the way like, that, like, in Family Blood, Colin right. Ford is very, like, able to hate his mother from this distance of, like, I don't need you. Right. I also, I do want to say, I really hope that we only see her hit her once. Yes. And I do, not to excuse it, obviously, it's horrifying. It is meant to be a breaking point between them. Yep. Possibly like there's a really sweet scene where we see her trying to get sober. Um, and she goes like two or three days and, um, Lizzie's made her this cute little calendar. That's like, you can do it mom. So there's clearly some been some time where she's like, I believe that you can get sober. Which by the way, heartbreaking. Oh my God. It killed me. Like truly stabbed me in the heart. Cause then she doesn't make it. We see her sitting outside with yeah. bottles going like, just go to bed, just go to bed, just go to bed. And like, that is also the most fucking real thing I've ever seen with something like addiction or mental illness or something where you're just telling, you're literally saying to yourself, do it, do it, do it right now, do it right now, do it right now. And you don't do it. And it is just like the worst thing in the world. But when she, Kathy hits her in the scene with the car keys, you see, and this is like, I think, I think the little girl's acting was phenomenal. You see in her face that she never, as much as she and her mom have always had problems, she actually didn't believe she'd ever cross that line. Yeah. Like, I really think that you see that in her face, that, like, it's the horror and the betrayal and the shock that's like, you just took us somewhere that we can never, ever come back from. Yeah. And it is heart-wrenching. And you actually even see it in Zoe Kazan's face, too, right before she does it and then right after. She, like, almost doesn't want to, and then you see her do it, and it's like, you just fucking did that. Yep. You can never, ever undo it. Oh my god! It's the relationship between them is done so unbelievably well. I and can't. I think the the way that this story is being told through these little vignettes that it's it's proceeding along and we're getting these these snapshots that really don't give us the whole story. No, I mean we're we're talking about how clear the picture it is, but like it's not necessarily all in the text. No, it's and we have much no implied. sense of how she became a mother. And I think extremely no sense of effectively. That. Yes. I think that. This is absolutely a, a movie whose ethos is less is more, and mm-hmm. it 100% works. I think it does, too. So let's talk about The Monster. Yes. I want to say up front, I, I mean, obviously this movie is made for less than $3 billion. I appreciate that it is entirely practical. It is a, is it? a person in a suit. It's clearly a person in a suit. Okay. I believe you. I now that I think about it, it does seem like a person in a suit, but it never comes across like puppet-ish, which sometimes is the issue with practical effects. But you're right that it, its teeth look very real. Haven't watched enough '60s kaiju movies to recognize a <laughs> person in a suit. True. <laughs> the design isn't my favorite. It's Venom. Gotta go get him. It's Venom. <laughs> it's Venom. It is Venom. He doesn't have the horrifying milky eyes. 
But well, he has blue eyes that are kind of milky. But they're small. They're not the like Spider Man. Um, and his big mouth is eyes. smaller. Yes. Well, it, it's more. Um, <laughs> he, he has a snout. It's not Venom's like person head. No, but he's a he's a humanoid. He's gl- well, he, he's he walks huge on all fours. and glistening and black and black. Yeah, that's the venom aspect of it, and like muscular. Yeah. What would like? Uh, yeah, because I think that's the problem. Is we don't. You have to ask you what I compare it to because the answer is venom. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Like, what animal is he? And the answer is like nothing. I, the only thing I can a think of is gorilla. From outer space. He I, doesn't really look like a gorilla. His he doesn't. Face? But that's that's the only thing I could compare it to because he has big, strong arms. He is black. His face is okay. So it's like a canine venom. Yes. He like his face looks yes. like a he has a wolfish. Snout. Yes. I still appreciate that. I mean, there's scenes where we see because of this, we get to see him reach through the window and like grab Zoe Kazan and like tear her up mm-hmm. because we have a person to interact with later when there's a fight that will get to, I think in like 90 seconds, <laughs> the actors can interact with this monster in a way that I think makes it feel a lot more down to earth. Mm-hmm. And I think makes this movie again, keeping in, in with the scope of this movie, I think really works for me. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't love the visual design, it's really hard for me to fault them given the many other things that work and the budget that I know they're working and with. And this preceded Venom, like not the comic book Venom, but like... It, it didn't not, precede Venom. It it's, preceded... That's what the, I'm saying. It preceded the movie Venom, which is like what what I... That's only like thing of Venom that I really have. Besides really? like little stuff in comic books because I like Spider-Man. But not the way he moves. Not not like the sure. movie Venom. So it's not like this was like coming up against the movie Venom. You know what I mean? They didn't come out like right. simultaneously. We just have seen Venom too many times. I think we've seen it twice, but... It's too many times. <laughs> the eventual conflict here, like we said, paramedics come and they rescue them. Yep. And, they and... and then they don't rescue them. <laughs> well, they rescue them and then the Venom monster tackles the... Car. Ambulance. Yes. And it rolls down the hill, and then we have this cool on an ambulance on side set piece. The way that the rest of this, like this last probably, I don't know, 20 minutes yeah. plays out is literally that they're just huddled there wondering what the fuck they're going to do. And it's a lot of these quiet moments of them trying to figure it out. My favorite thing, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier about the dialogue and the relationship between them mm-hmm. feeling so natural, is that Zoe Kazan, because she's so badly injured, I think... Decides that she's going to be like a distraction so that yes. Lizzie can get away. She got real messed up by the monster and then by the accident because she was driving when it hit the car. Right. Or the so, ambulance, sorry. She's going to sacrifice herself and she says something about how she's going to use a torch to scare it away and says something about mm-hmm. how well, monsters don't like the light. That's what nightlights are for. And Lizzie's like, stop fucking lying to me. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes, like, she has no way of knowing that. Like, that's such a logical leap that, like, oh, so this is how we're going to beat this monster with light. What the fuck do you know? And that she's, and like, then, telling course, her this, like, story. She's trying to, like, calm her down. And Lizzie, in very in character, like, calls her on it. And it's like, it's bullshit. Like, no, don't lie to me. Like, be honest with me for once. And she's like, yeah, I'm lying. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm and it's die. a very nice moment of honesty between them. Uh, and again, I think feels really, really natural. I also love the line in that scene where um, Lizzie's trying to kind of prevent her from doing this. And she's yeah. like, I'm going to die whether I leave this ambulance or not. Yeah. Like, this is the only thing I can do. Yeah. So this ties into another little detail that 
I had noted earlier and was ready to talk about in our end of episode thing where we talk about like a little couple things we noticed that didn't fit uh-huh. in our conversation. But then it becomes a major plot point, which is Chekhov's cigarette lighter. Oh, uh, I loved it. She is in the opening scene when Lizzie is waiting for her mother to get the fuck out of bed. She is sitting on the couch playing with this lighter. It's like yeah. a it's a metal Zippo lighter. Mm-hmm. Later on, Kathy is playing with it in... Mm-hmm. Either the ambulance or the car. I don't remember which. Mm -hmm. But she's just sitting there flipping it open and turning the fire on. Mm -hmm. And it was such a nice callback to that moment of, like, that being both of their... Either that that being both of their nervous tics or... Well, you know what their other nervous tic is? What? The knuckles thing. Oh, right. Oh, my God. It made me, like, cry immediately. It was when I knew I was going to love this movie. They, like, uh, crack each each knuckle on their fingers. They both sit there in the car on the way there um, before, before anything even happens and they're absentmindedly cracking their knuckles um, in the exact same way. And then there's a really heartbreaking scene later um, when uh, Lizzie's about to like really face down the thing and she's doing it, but it's much more frantic. Yeah. It's like, she's really like, she's really trying to like crack those knuckles because it's the only thing that makes her feel better. And it's like, and of course being uh, a learned behavior from her mom, right? Yes, like that's yes, she's but picking But it's also that like, yeah. that beautiful thing of like, obviously she doesn't want to be like her mom and she, she won't be, but like, they also, she is her mother. Like, they have yeah. this, they do have this bond that is real. And I thought that was a very nice way to use a prop for character moments. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is that they end up lighting a, they're making a torch. They're mm-hmm. like, they light a stick on fire. Uh, they got all those supplies in the car. They've got gauze and, like, alcohol. Yeah, in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the lighter. And then it's like, that ends up being... So, Kathy gets fucked up. Kathy gets attacked by the monster. She does work as bait. But yeah. Lizzie doesn't run away. Lizzie, like, comes and, like, hits the monster, which doesn't attack her for plot reasons. I don't know. But yeah. It's just, it's just, it doesn't make sense. The monster, like, spins around and, like, roars at her, but then runs away. She and, says, she yells at it. Yeah, but that doesn't, like, it comes back for her in about no, a I minute. Mean, I want I want to talk about this, if you want to finish what you were saying, but I want to talk specifically about no, the ahead. relationship between Lizzie and go the monster. Because I'm about the to... The relationship? The relationship. Because I'm about to drop some metaphorical shit on you okay because the whole time i was like what is this monster metaphor for because i was i had the babadook in my head the whole time i was watching this it's funny i did not think a second about family blood i was like this is just like the babadook for some reason um and i think that kathy is the monster i think that is like that is what they're facing is that she like or or even I, I wrote down is the monster the hatred that Lizzie has for her mother because it's this like wild out of control terrifying thing that especially like I mean I almost said it earlier when we were talking about Kathy hitting her that I was like monster like that is what you have become yeah uh it doesn't work in the the reality of this movie like if we're talking about like why did the monster not hurt her or like why did it run away when she screamed at it but i think that's if we want if we're getting into more the allegory of it interesting that is my theory um because it was when it was defeated that she was that she's able to like move on and that like and that she had to do it and that it obviously again this it, this is not a metaphor to pick apart right but that is the that was the feeling that i got from it was this like wild evil thing that was tearing them apart and hurting everyone around it and doesn't seem to really have any like motivation beyond just like destruction and so that was my yeah. my big takeaway it's interesting so I, I think that's like part of the 
why and and when Lizzie is like facing it down uh, after her mother's dead and she's saying I'm not afraid of you, like I think she was afraid of her mother, and I sure. think that like possibly that's another another thing that comes into her catharsis and her moving on at the end of this movie is that she no longer fears her. Yeah, that's. I don't want to pick it apart, like you said. No. But, uh, <laughs> Most metaphors can't really be picked apart like that. That is a thought that I didn't have. That's interesting. I, I mentioned it earlier also, but um, the something that really cemented this in my head was that she says go away to her mother when she's holding the knife to her throat, yep. and then she says go away to the monster also. So I'm always, you know, when you look out for those little dialogue things, I think it felt very purposeful. And there's a lot of parallels in this movie. Like, yes. From, yeah. I think that I, that that was my takeaway because it felt very intentional, and I do think that judging from the strangers, I think that he's a very intentional filmmaker. I would say so. So this monster metaphor or not uh, kills kills Kathy. Yes, <laughs> sure does. Rips her apart. The monster comes back and goes to attack Lizzie, and Lizzie shouts at it, sets it on fire. She then thinks it's dead, but it's not. So then she beats it with the stick for a bit until it's dead. I thought it was kind of weird. I think maybe it works better as metaphor, like you said, about her her quashing the monster inside her, the anger mm-hmm. and hatred inside of her, mm-hmm. than it does as literally... Uh, Killing uh, a monster. Yeah, yes. It doesn't... That It doesn't super work for me Yeah, as a action sequence, I, I think guess. Th- I think this only really works as a metaphor monster because we know nothing about it. I think... We have to, no, like... To, to sort of clarify my point... I think a lot of this movie, as horror movie works, right? Like, I love these character moments, but I think mm-hmm. it is an effective horror movie. I think that the final showdown with the monster I found anticlimactic uh, because of what felt like a, the bluntness of the execution. And I agree. Fire is so... I always knew I wanted to be fire because then the lighter comes back into play, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that she works does, really She well. does a very clever little trick, which is that she's had this toy the whole time um oh right this like bear it's a bear right or is a dog it is a bear that yeah it, it sings it plays nursery rhymes yeah it sings when you're happy you know it clap your hands and also all around the mulberry bush which is great because when it comes into play bench. is it yeah, whatever it's called when it comes into play and it says pop goes the weasel there's a very that's what it's called victorious moment of like pop goes the weasel he's about like this this monster is about to get fucked up you know so that that works really well but she uses it it's as been, bait as bait but it's, it's been used the whole movie as like oh my god don't make the thing sound because then it'll find us but then obviously she uses she uses it um to lure the monster in and then she's behind it and that's how she kind of gets the jump on it and it's fraught with the relationship with the mother because the mother thinks that she's far too old to have this stuffed animal right which she's probably right about but also like you know let your daughter look traumatized like. children need to have their comforts but she does she does feel too old to have this like nursery rhyme thing very it's, it's very babies. yeah yes. child's toy also to, to dig into the metaphor she's oh letting her she's letting her childhood go she's sacrificing her childhood it's all there if you just look yeah so she kills the monster she sacrifices her childhood she lights it on fire the cleansing fire <laughs> blah 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 she walks out literally into the dawn of daylight yes. out of the forest out of the woods she's mm-hmm. out of the woods she's out of the woods that all um i don't love it's fine it doesn't need to be perfect no. Many movies aren't. This movie isn't. It that all felt way too clean and too simple and too neat for me for a movie with so much emotional complexity. That's so and interesting good character stuff because you are leaving out I, what I think makes the scene good, which is her the voiceover? last. What her voiceover? No, no, no. Oh my god, no. Because I the hate voiceovers her voiceover. were dumb at the beginning and do never, never, ever, ever do voiceovers. They're always bad. At all filmmakers, they're always bad. Um, no, the final flashback. I like the voiceover in Gone Girl. 
where she's that's not a um no no i don't even bring that up because i agree with you but that's not a um exposition beginning end voiceover that is a mid sure mid it's a twist voiceover yes uh the final flashback is what i'm talking about sure i'm assuming it's after the slap yeah it feels that is my guess because i think lizzie is sleeping in like a little tent or she's under the coffee table. There's some. She's just going into tight spaces. She's in a small space, um, and Kathy goes and lays down on the blanket fort. Is blanket what fort, we're yes. Trying and to say. goes down and lays down on the um, floor next to her, and is crying and is petting her hair and apologizing. And they're saying that they don't hate each other. They don't hate. Oh, and also because they they just had that horrible. They had a horrible screaming fight earlier where they screamed "fuck you" at each other. Yeah. Um. Which, that gave me many questions that I was like, I, the movie didn't need to answer them, but that's when I was like, there's all, they, this, Brian Bertino imagined a whole world for them that he didn't share with us, which is, I think, a good move. Good, yeah. But they're saying they don't hate each other, and uh, Kathy starts talking about how she, Lizzie is going to be so much better than her. Yes. And how she's going to get everything that she wants out of life, and Lizzie says, I just want you. And it is like this incredible moment of vulnerability between both of them who both have to be very guarded in their interactions with each other. I guess, you know, Kathy doesn't have to be, but she is. And Lizzie has to be for her own protection uh, as a, as a person. Um, but that's, I mean, that, that really got me, especially because Kathy's already dead at this point. Yep. So like, she just wants her mom. That's the truth at the end of the day. And she can't have her. And I think that complicates, that is the unneatness of the end of this movie uh, that I think you're right about the, the the like oh the monster's conveniently dead and you get to conveniently walk out of the forest and then the the dawn and it's all very beautiful but that scene being there is like well she doesn't get her mom she lost her yeah like they never get to get over what they had like they never yeah. get to fix that I think that's I wish it lead more to that the voiceover that we're like talking about a lot I don't have like all in front of me but oh, it's dumb it, it like it is it is Lizzie as she's walking through the forest towards whatever a field that she ends up in. And it, she literally says things like, there are monsters out there waiting for you, and they're watching you. Mm-hmm. And she says, I think a couple times, I think the last time of the movie is, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. And I had the thought where, like, that, we're, we're talking about the fear of her mother and her, her relationship to fear. Mm-hmm. None of that is text in the movie. The concept of fear or conquering fear isn't really something that's addressed in the movie. And no. so it felt... Especially in something as, I don't want to call it hacky, it's mean, but hacky, as this voiceover as she's literally walking into the light felt, I don't know, like, I, I felt like, was there something I missed that there's, like, thematically, like, fear or conquering fear as part of it? And the answer is no, it's... No, because I feel like actually what the real emotional catharsis is, Lizzie didn't have to, or that she was afraid, that she was vulnerable, that she like allowed her mother vulnerability to see. is much more a part of yeah, it. Yeah, that she like that she's actually this tough little kid for so much of it, and it's the moments where she allows herself to be held by her mother, and doesn't say, "I wish my dad was here." I don't care that you're here. She was with her mother, and she's like, "I don't want you to leave. I love you." You know, yeah. that is the true emotional vulnerability of this movie, rather than not being af- not not really not being afraid anymore. I Me mean, not being afraid anymore is part of it. She's not afraid of the monster, yeah. whatever. But like that's she killed it. Yeah, yeah. It's so much more important to talk about the time, like the moments that she's a child in this movie. Again, specifically comparing to the Babadook, which you brought up earlier, like not being afraid of it is central to the conclusion yes, of that movie. Absolutely, it is irrelevant to this one, unfortunately. I agree. Except in the interpretation that we're giving up by talking about it, which is fine. 
I mean, that's what we do in this podcast, mm-hmm. but especially compared to the Babadook, we're like, that's, that is theme made text. Yes. And this isn't. Yeah. It has flaws. It's not a perfect movie, but it was so much better than I expected. I did I cry. It. I did cry. I did not cry. I cried. I, liked it a lot. I cried at the scene that we were talking about where she says, I only want you like, oh my God, that got me. But a good one. I liked it. I really liked it a lot. Any final thoughts? Only that I thought this was really well acted. I think that's actually, I was thinking about it as I was watching it. And I have mentioned the script a couple times being good and natural, but I think what actually makes it is Zoe Kazan's acting and the little girl's acting. See, I super agree about Zoe Kazan. I think she's doing a great job. I think the little girl's good. I think she's above average, I guess. But I had the thought where I just worked out like, she's fine, but I don't know where she where she fits in the pantheon of child actors in horror movies. And I also thought that because of her age, mm. she is like on the line between, say, Gage and Pet Cemetery, up to, I don't know, Micah Monroe and It Follows, where right. like she she's in an age where you like expect a child to have a good performance because it's kind their of. job. I yeah. expect something of her that I wouldn't expect of when I think of like the holy shit rules, like the the new nightmare, the yes. child's play. As like, we talked about, Andy and Gage and. Uh, is it also Andy in... What's his name in New Nightmare? Great question. I feel like it's Andy. No, it's just... I, mean, I don't know. And I, I, mean, I, child. I will speak for Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. Sure. I think he's fantastic. We don't, my, my point you know, is just I mean. that like, there's a lot of performances, that, especially in horror movies, that make you go, wow. Wow, that kid knocked it out of the park, especially in something where you know that they did not come face-to-face with a lot of the material and they didn't know no. what kind of movie they're making because <laughs> you can't traumatize a child like that. Right. She was good. She wasn't incredible. She did not blow me away. And that's okay. She didn't need to. But I had the thought, there's a certain expectation of performance that I think comes with this, especially with a movie as good as this, that I thought she was fine. And I yeah. thought that role could have been played by a different actress. and It would have gone completely fine. Zoe Kazan really, really disappears into this. She does. The girl's fine. Yeah, I hear you. I do. She did kind of blow me away. And I wonder if it's because like I thought she was actually kind of on par with Zoe Kazan. Interesting. I thought that they were like giving similar performances of guardedness and vulnerability and anger that I just like, I thought they were very well matched. I thought she had some really great sequences, especially the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I thought that, again, like I said, the aforementioned the um, knife to her mother's throat, like, go away. Uh, I hate you. Yeah. Bit was like really, really good. It's something we don't really see a lot in, um, no. in these like kind of traumatized kid cases. The it's way, like... the way that it, she manifests anger while also knowing that she can't really lose her shit because her mother no, is so... she has to be the one that's together, like, yeah. Like, unreliable. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. I think you're right. I, I mean, like, I think she's good. I'm not trying to diss her at all. I just... Yeah. This is, this is the problem. This is why, I actually, I did want to talk about this, is because I don't think it's fair to her that I'm bringing those expectations into it, but I absolutely am. I have, I have yeah. a lifetime of watching horror movies of sort of baggage yeah. uh, that I bring to this. That's fair. I have one more thing to say. Oh, yes? Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I don't, they didn't really super dig into this, but there were some really interesting moments of um, both of them having these really, like, kind of animalistic tendencies. Did you notice that at all? Yeah. Specifically, not not so much in the flashbacks, but more, like, when they were kind of, like, out there in the woods. I can't remember what it was that Zoe Kazan did that, where I was like, ooh, an animal, but, like, the little girl, sometimes when she cries, she sounds like she's whining. She sounds like she's, like, a little whining dog. And then there was a part where she's over her mother's body and the monster comes back. Oh, I remember what it was. Zoe Kazan, I think when she realizes that she's like fucked beyond belief, like she's going to die. She's like vomiting blood 
by oh. the by the side of the car. Yeah. And she looks like a cat. The way that she's like arching her back. And then um the little girl uh when Lizzie is over her mother's body and the monster comes back, she does this like little like I don't know how to describe it, but this little kind of like the way that you would expect an animal to react to um an external stimuli like frightening it. She yeah. just they just they really like played with those kinds of like because I think that's a really visceral parent-child relationship to work in is like the relationship between like animal parents, you know, like a like a dog and a puppy or a mother cat and a kitten is like yeah. very very visceral and very real that I felt I just I I noticed it slightly throughout and I really liked it. Definitely. My only thought is that I want to see more from Brian Bertino. He wrote the Strangers Pray at Night, but didn't direct it. I mean, this was only a couple years ago, but... Right. Uh, and also, the fact that it didn't do well doesn't bode well for him. No, and but Pray at Night didn't really do very well either. He's a, he is a very talented director and writer, and I think specifically he has what a lot of people making indie horror movies don't, which is knowledge of how to employ restraint in order to get a better result. Right, well, I mean, again, I think that if this was in, if this was in theaters, when it was in theaters, I can see why people wouldn't want to go. It's not yeah. like... It's not a scream fest. It's not like it's not even really that gory. It's only gory in a really unfun way. I mean, neither is something like the Vivich, and that was a hit. Ugh. Well, I can't talk about. I can't comment on that because I truly don't understand what the what the deal is. A twenty another A twenty four movie. Whatever. Are you ready to light this on fire and beat it to death with a stick? (laughs) Yes, and then walk out into the dawn. Are we taking our uh, our risks with the roulette again? Yeah, this one, the roulette gave us a, a gift. So maybe we're going to get something really shitty For every this the time. monster, there is a family of blood. <laughs> Why don't you pull that up and spin the damn thing? I'm spinning it. Our next movie will be... Poltergeist? Is it on Netflix? Poltergeist is on Netflix? Is it, like, not the right Poltergeist? It might be the remake. Oh, it probably is the remake. Which I haven't seen. No, this is the 1982 Poltergeist. Hell yeah! Yes! I've never seen it. Are you serious? I'm serious. I've never seen it. It's a real gap in my horror movie knowledge. How perfect. Roulette is doing us. I know, Roulette! Damn! (laughs) I'm actually so excited. Well, our next movie will be uh, the original Poltergeist. 1982 Poltergeist. Nice. That's awesome. Oh my god, what a great way to end this episode. (laughs) Great episode. Another great episode and hopefully a good one to come. Yeah. Until next time, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to tell your friends to listen to the podcast and to not to listen to our Family Blood episode. Yeah, we actually talk about Family Blood just as much as we do in the episode in this episode, so it's not necessary. As always, thank you to Wes Craven for knowing how to use both restraint and dialogue to create rich and realistic, powerful, yeah. powerful and realistic relationships between characters Mm -hmm. the aforementioned heather langenkamp and her son in new nightmare for example Mm -hmm. but also many characters throughout yeah scream sydney's relationship with her absent mother but very much a very big presence in scream yeah thanks thanks wes (laughs) until next time everyone stay spooky stay spooky Woo.